Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham, with us, the editor of the Weekly Standard, Bill Crystal. And Bill, you know I am loathe to say anything nice about you, but I got to sneak I've noticed preview. that. I've noticed that, Michael. And uh, <laughs> I got to sneak You're hanging preview. on by a thread here in your podcast <laughs> role. You know? I got a sneak preview of your upcoming editorial for the magazine. And it was, it was as a conservative and a sometime Republican, it was so inspiring. I think it's exactly what Republicans need to hear. Could you give us a sneak preview? Uh, well, thanks, Michael. Um, that is nice of you. Um, it's called The Republican Party in Opposition, and the uh, headline plays off uh, an article Daniel Patrick Moynihan wrote in 1975. It was the article that got him appointed ambassador to the United Nations called The United States in Opposition. And at the time, uh, we were down in the dumps. It was post-Watergate. The U.S. was in retreat everywhere. Saigon was about to fall. And Moynihan wrote a piece saying, look, let's face it, we're in a minority right now in the world. We've, we've had some rough times. We're in opposition. Let's embrace it. And let's make our case unembarrassedly and unapologetically and lay out the case for markets and for individual liberties and for limited government. Um, and this is how the U.S. can regain stature in the world, not by uh, apologizing or not by sulking and not by complaining. And it was a pretty famous piece at the time. It led President Ford to to make him uh, ambassador to the UN, where he had all kinds of clashes with Henry Kissinger and and so on, and then he ended up running for the Senate in New York and winning. And I also make the point that I mean Moynihan, whom I knew and admired, ended up. Uh, I'd say that was probably the high water mark of his political mm -hmm. career in a sense. He he was of course a distinguished senator, but he couldn't really change his own party, and and so he ended up being a either a, a loyal Democrat or a, or a sort of somewhat ineffectual dissident within the Democratic Party after about 1980. Uh, the other person who, of course, in 1975-76, uh, took on the conventional wisdom uh, was Ronald Reagan, and he ran against an incumbent president in 76, lost, and Ford lost the general election, but Reagan kept going. Uh, even bolder challenges to uh, kind of to conventional wisdom, to establishment defeatism uh, in the late 70s, and obviously Reagan won and, and changed the but country. It's interesting so to me, I Bill. I think it's, it's a bit of a lesson there for, for Republicans who think, you know, we're never going to win another election, or or the whole country's turned against us, or, 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 or losing two elections in a row is the end of the, end of the world. But you specifically uh, uh, confront Republicans to acknowledge you are the party in opposition right now. And even though you still hold the House and a majority of governorships, and I think it's absolutely true, a new poll out today showing that the Republican Party, the view of the Republican Party is not at a record low, but it's at very, very low. Do you think the Republicans should embrace this moment of their role now as the party of opposition? Yes. I mean, look, I think there are issues where they can't oppose for the sake of opposing. And there are places where they have to mitigate the damage that President Obama is going to do, especially in national security policy, and, and, and do accomplish what they can while making clear that they would be doing things very differently. Uh, and even, of course, in domestic policy, no one wants to have a meltdown of the dollar or, or whatever. So, so there'll be issues where Republicans have to compromise. I, in fact, urged to compromise on the, on the tax, uh, on tax policy about a, a month ago. But, so tactically, will there have to be compromises, accommodations, judgment calls about where to fight, which hill to fight on, which hill to, 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 to sort of let go? Sure. But in principle, I think it is important that Republicans uh, look reality in the eye, realize they lost 25 or 33 Senate races. They even lost the national popular vote for the House. So of course, they held the House. Right. Um, and not panic, not think that they're in the depths of uh, as badly off as they were in 64 or 75 or 6 was one reason I, I, I bring us back to those days. After Watergate, the Republican Party was in infinitely worse shape. After Ford's defeat, even in 76, much, much worse shape. I just spoke at this House Republican retreat 
uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun and kind of an honor to speak to all the House Republican members. And a lot, very vigorous back and forth Q and A, genuine discussion with members. I, I think they enjoyed it. I hope they did. I, I did. But there was a little bit at times. Some of them kind of moaning and tough. Oh, we're in such bad shape. Right. And Obama's trying to divide us. And you know, he doesn't really want to work with us. And and I said at one point, at least someone told me afterwards. I said I didn't really remember this myself. <laughs> I, I said, suck it up. You know, I mean, it's it's, it's not the this is not the worst situation conservatives and Republicans have been in. Right. The guy isn't that formidable. He got 51% of the vote. Yes, of course he wants to divide you. What do you think he's going to do? But that doesn't mean that we're incapable of fighting back on a lot of issues and, 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 and having the American people with us or persuading the American people on lots of issues. You know, it's always disturbing when someone has to remind you what you said. Which <laughs> it happens increasingly you know, to me. Well, when you're a talk radio host, it happens all the time. And usually with me, it involves alcohol and someone's wife. But that's another story. I want to ask you, if you could get Republicans to, as the party in opposition, have to fight to take hills, if you could get them to focus on one or two issues or conversations, what would it be? And let me just say, I, I don't think that simply saying over and over again, cut spending, cut spending, cut spending is the answer. I hope that's not your answer, Bill Crystal. No, I mean, I think debt and deficit is obviously huge and mm -hmm. it's unsustainable and it's worth reminding people of that. But we're not going to, no one's going to cut that overnight. I actually think, yeah, on the economic front, I think in addition to spending, really pushing the growth agenda. I mean, Republicans have to be the party of prosperity, not simply the party of belt tightening. Now, they're, they're connected. If you don't, if we don't tighten right. our belts, we're never going to get the economy really going in a long-term sustainable way. But I think there's a growth agenda. Some of it's even achievable with President Obama. Look, and, and some of it really just needs to be highlighted. Look at energy policy, which I am no expert on, believe me. But basically, we've had a little test over the last few years. The private sector has done its thing with oil and gas, fracking over some right. opposition from the federal government, but not enough to really stop it too much. Uh, and, and the government's done its thing with solar energy and Solyndra and windmills and all that. And, and, and where, who's producing the cheaper energy? Who's sure. revolutionizing, actually, energy production in a way that's really going to be good for our economy over the next decade or two? It seems like a pretty easy case study of what we should be encouraging in this country and what we don't need to be wasting money on. So I think there are plenty of areas where conservative policies work, and, and it, you just need to boldly make that case. Uh, Bill, Chris, I want to tell you that I know someone who's a huge fan of the Weekly Standard podcast. They come to weeklystandard.com regularly to download them, and it's my fake imaginary AOL girlfriend. She <laughs> thinks you are so hot. Is that right? My and, fake girlfriend isn't that keen, frankly, on you, but that's okay. <laughs> she has pretty good taste. My, my, is, that, are we all gonna just, is that the future? We're just all going to have fake girlfriends and have you know, break up with them and get back together. It's going to make everyone's life much To me, the, the Manti Teo, and for those of you who don't know, he's a defensive star at Notre Dame who, of course, lost to Alabama in the BCS game because Alabama's in the SEC along with my beloved South Carolina Gamecocks, and we dominate. But anyway, he had been having high, many, many high-publicized events regarding this young lady who he knew over the Internet and inspired him, and she allegedly died the same day as his grandmother, and it was all over TV, and got him in the Heisman running. He came in second, and it turns out now the whole thing was made up. And I think it's a test, Bill Crystal, of your worldview as to whether or not you prefer a – that he was, in fact, a naive dupe of someone tricking him, of some prank or opportunist, or B, that you hope instead he was, in fact, committing the hoax, that he was being corrupt and clever. Because I think the, the, if I have to choose between a, uh, a crook and a chump, at least the crook can choose to be honest, as opposed to the clueless guy, the naive guy who's got what for a year was duped by somebody. 
I mean, I assume he wasn't duped or at some point pretty quickly realized it was mm-hmm. maybe they started off trying to dupe him and sure. then he realized what was going on and played along with the hoax. It turned out to be a benefit to him, but it's pretty hard to believe that he, he was just the dupe till the very end. I, I haven't followed as, as closely as I probably should. I think all of America's following it very closely. It's one of those amazing stories. Um, I did notice in skimming through it that uh, the um, he um, that he went to the same high school as Barack Obama. Is that not true? Uh, I'm not sure, but it yeah, makes sense. Yeah. I have to so, you know, that. I think for conspiracy <laughs> theorists, but even for non-conspiracy theorists, for conspiracy theorists, they could really work on that now for a couple of months. But for the rest of us, at least it's, well, it's well, kind of a fun factoid that if you're into fantasy girlfriends, it's like fantasy budgets, you know, fantasy foreign policies. Maybe there's something in that high school that that, that gets, steers people away from dealing with the real world as it is. Two things. Uh, members of the left can absolutely believe that he was duped because they can believe that people will believe anything, as we're seeing with the way that President Obama's governing. And secondly, I never, ever, ever fall for the fake girlfriend ruse bill because I always have my Nigerian banker clear their email address for me first. This has been the Weekly Standard Podcast. Thanks so much for your time, Bill Crystal. Always check weeklystandard.com for podcast updates. I am Michael Graham.